Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are getting to speak with Dr. Daniela Gonzalez. Dr. Danny and I connected over the last two years in the online space. And then we actually met in person last October when we both attended an immersion for our master practitioner for NLP. And I have been watching in the sidelines, cheering her on and on through social media as she was sharing her journey of infertility and then a more recent breast cancer diagnosis. And as I watched how she shared so beautifully and vulnerably, I knew that I wanted to give her this space to be able to share this backside of the story that a lot of us don't get to hear or see. We hear a lot about cancer and how to navigate cancer. This is different. This is a very different episode, and I'm so grateful that I get to share it with you. Dr. Danny explained her experiences of cumulative loss over her life and what she went through on so many different levels, including her struggles with infertility and a young breast cancer diagnosis after being an advocate for her health and fighting for help and support. And she shares the balance of vulnerably sharing your story, being strong, asking for help, letting yourself being seen, and receiving support through this journey of having others seeing and hearing you from a very different level. So, and from a very different lens, it's absolutely stunning. Dr. Danny has a, she is a doctor in chemistry and a global portfolio manager in a leading beauty company. She also owns her own coaching business called Dr. Danny G mind and body transformation. Daniela helps busy men and women to rebel against cookie cutter wellness and diet culture. So they step into a more unique, fun, balanced, deep, and powerful 360 degree transformation that incorporates functional fitness, mindset, NLP, and life coaching. Among her well-rounded credentials, Dr. Danny is a wife, dog mommy, dancer, and newly added this to her resume is breast cancer survivor. She combines her science and coaching expertise with her own personal experience, overcoming busy life overwhelm, anxiety, perfectionism, disordered eating, and a cancer diagnosis all before turning 40. All her years working on her mental and physical health is her main asset when working with her clients because she understands at her core how powerful is the connection between the mind and the body. This is an incredible episode. Welcome to the show today, Danny. I am thrilled to have you here. Uh, thank you so much, Marcia. I am so happy and so honored to be here with you. Well, we we met in the online space, I think over the last year, probably two years, I guess. In the last two years, we met in the online space in um, coaching programs. And then we met in person last year in, I know, right, in at an immersion. And it was such an incredible experience. And I just started to get to know some of your story and then I've watched even more unfold. And it's like, I just felt your story would be so perfect to be able to share on this show. So tell us a little bit about young Danny. What was Danny Mm -hmm. like? Because I think it's really important that we set this up in the sense that you're not new to adversity. You're not new to challenges. You've had some significant ones in your life. Yes, no, definitely. And yes, I mean, I think that my my life story is pretty packed. <laughs> I think we all have, right? Like pretty mm-hmm. packed stories. So um, my story, you know, well, 
actually my childhood um, was a good childhood. I will say in overall, mm-hmm. uh, I had amazing parents, um, amazing siblings, friends. Um, so, you know, uh, there's a part of me that sometimes when I think about the adversities in my childhood, I it comes with a little bit of guilt of talking about it because I also love a lot of the life that that I had in my childhood and my parents. Um, however, I did start my very young life um, with some rough experiences, um, starting with um, with sexual abuse um, with a neighbor. Um, and I was incredibly young. I, I was, if I'm not wrong, I was around four to five years old when everything started. And, you know, at that age, well, you know, right? <laughs> so it's like, is this normal? And and this person used to manipulate me in, in a way that, you know, if I didn't do what he asked me, he was going to do it to my sister. Um, so I started feeling, you know, developing this sense of protection to mm-hmm. others and my sister um also you know made me feel that I was doing something wrong and he was going to tell my parents and I was like I mean that's exactly what I needed right <laughs> but what I thought that you yeah. know I was doing something wrong so no please don't tell my parents so he even made me marry to him at that age it it, it was like there was a marriage ceremony how old was he do you know roughly he was he was a kid but he was uh older than me okay gotcha yeah so it's it's incredible this is actually an important point because sometimes we think that somebody that it's much older like an adult can abuse you but there are kids that also can do it mm-hmm. and uh you know there are also different type of abuse sexual abuse also i want to it was not rape um but there was a lot of other things and toshing yeah. and and other things so um to me it abused my innocence it abused my my body um I could have lost my virginity at that point. Um, so, you know, um, it's, it's, that's, I think that's like a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But, but definitely, you know, it's like very in, I, I think that this experience made me uh, very confused from the beginning of my, of my life. And also to understand like what is right, what is wrong, um, why this is happening, uh, why nobody is doing anything about this. And because I thought that I was doing something wrong, I didn't speak up until very late in my life. So for many years, I, you know, I kept this as a, as a secret. Um, and it started with that. Um, I think that that really marked most of my childhood. Um, I mature very early, mm-hmm. very early on. I don't know how, uh, it couldn't, honestly, Danny, I don't know how it couldn't. I think that that is just, uh, you know, the innocence and the age and who do I trust and what do I do? And exactly. they're very good at manipulating, right? Like manipulating the words, the message, and you're in a space almost of freeze that I can't do anything. Yeah. So it does rob you of that innocence. And I think it's a really important point that it can also be people our age-ish, like our age, slightly older. It doesn't have to be an adult to a child. Um, And those are very formative years. As you and I both have taken Mm -hmm. our NLP trainers now, right? We know that with the subconscious mind, that is like your formative years up to the age of seven, that that is... It is running the show for long. Yeah. You think it is? Yes, yes. And these things get stick in your um, subconscious mind and run your decisions and adulthood, <laughs> pretty much. And you don't know that it's coming from that. So definitely, uh, Marsha, it's true. Um, you know, it, it's um, my sense of safety was threatened very early. And even though I had, you know, my parents there, they didn't know what was happening because I wasn't telling them. And to be honest, you know, what they were going to know. Um, This happened in their house. 
her his sister actually was encouraging what he was doing. It was very dysfunctional thing happening. Absolutely. And yeah, and this no, my my parents really didn't know, but me as a child, <laughs> I thought that my parents were not protecting me, but how they were going to protect me if I didn't tell them, right? Like it's now I understand that. I didn't yeah. understand that as a kid. Yeah. Those are, those are like, we, that's how we logically think through things when we're a child. It's not, we just, it might, now we can apply an adult lens to it, but Mm -hmm. that's not the case. There was, um, a guest I had just recently was talking about like the average age for people to report a sexual assault is 52 years old. Oh Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Adults walking around carrying this for decades, right? Like decades. So we're carrying that in our body and it is affecting us without even realizing how it's affecting us. No, definitely. And the truth is that it took me a lot of work, a lot of work to be able to talk about this. And now being here, I know that it's a lot of people listening to these. Uh, I know my parents are listening to it. My husband is listening to it, you know, and it took me a while to get to this point where I can speak about these without, you know, breaking down the floor and crying um, and be brave and, and just speak about these. Um, I think this is the whole purpose of your podcast too, to speak, you know, our our story and also make our choices on how we want to continue living. And that was just one part of something that marked my life. Um, I think in, in a good way and in a bad way, you know, in a bad way, it's, it's the obvious in a good way. It made me very resilient. It made me understand a lot. It made me very empathetic um, with people going through these and with people going through adversities and understand in a very young age, um, you know, how to overcome, to continue life, even when you have obstacles like this. And after that, you know, um, I, I then I had the divorce of my parents uh, when I was like around 12. Um, 10. It was like a lapse of time between 10 to 12 yeah. uh, of issues in, in my house. My, my parents divorced and, you know, with divorce, it come like this um, detachment from this love from your parents, right? Because they have their issues that they are trying to solve. Um, and also not having my father in my house anymore. And then my parents starting new relationships. And it's been like adapting to a lot. Uh, we also moved towns, uh, moved schools, so it was like all the time adapting to new people, to a new life, to a new lens of how to see life and also trying to understand what these things are happening to us. Why are these things happening to me? And that was another time where I also felt that I needed to protect my siblings, right, from everything that was going on at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we see divorce as something normal. I'm a divorced woman too, remarried. Um, but at the time, it was like, why this is happening in our house? You know, my parents had differences. Uh, now we understand. Uh, but Within those differences, you know, there were times where I felt I needed to take care of my siblings. So you see how my sense of responsibility for others started so young. <laughs> well, and that's actually like that was the big message from what I knew of your story and what I read of your story is that I wanted to be able to share is that like that sense of like needing to protect others and looking for safety, that a lot of that came from a very young age. And you then pursued a career in, tell us about your career, because this is, this is another thing that happens is people pursue a career in wanting to help others, right? To make a difference. There's, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Yes. Yes. It's very common that people then want to go pursue a career to help others too. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. So um, I have two careers. So let me explain very quickly the context because actually both uh, are relevant, right, to, to what I wanted to do. So I am a science, a scientist. So I'm a doctor in chemistry. And actually, I started um, my science career uh, when, 
Well, I started because I wanted to do something fun, (laughs) first of all, but I wanted to really impact society somehow. And I actually did my graduate school, graduate studies in, um, to put it simple, to try to cure cancer, (laughs) which is very ironic. So, uh, yeah, so I was developing delivery careers of therapeutics to cancer cells and create apoptosis, which is cell death. Um, and yes, so I started, you know, my, my vision was I'm going to pharma and I'm going to do medications to help cancer patients and all this. So kind of started like that. I ended up actually working on a beauty company um, and another podcast too, <laughs> to explain why. But um, I noticed that also by helping you know, it, it was like a different angle of helping people uh, because by enhancing people's beauty, but also uh, developing products for them to to feel clean, to feel good, feel more confident, you know, uh, and to have self-expression for me, it was also an impact on society. Um, however, I still had like a lot of love for health. Mm-hmm. And this aspect of helping people to be happy and overcome their challenges and get tools to actually do that because I felt that I missed tools uh, for so many years. Like I didn't know how to cope a nervous breakdown. I didn't know how to cope stress um, or just to cope the fact that my life was different my childhood was different than others um and I I said like I think that people need this so I I started a coaching business so I started coaching first I had no idea like what to do and how to do it so I started um with a nutrition certification so I started doing nutrition coaching and actually that was wonderful and and I do enjoy and I still do the nutrition coaching however as the years passed uh actually I I started doing this in 2014 or so um I started noticing that people came to me not only that they said oh I want to lose weight or I want to work out and I need motivation but there were so many layers so many layers under that and a lot is about what they actually need in their life or precisely how you cope with your emotions how you understand the connection between your mind and your body Um, how do you balance your lifestyle with what you want for yourself right like we are living in a society where we are talked to prioritize work, to prioritize responsibilities, to prioritize all the tasks, but we are not taught to take care of yourself first, fill your own cup first, so you can be there for your children, for your husband, for your wife, for the people that you want, your partner, you know, um, and for your job. (laughs) <laughs> like you need your body, you need your energy, you need you need your life and to feel happy and fulfilled so you can execute, you know, properly. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I am also a coach <laughs> on the side. <laughs> so you then um, pursued in coaching, you are working in like research, looking and really investigating cancer. Was this something you were like you sought out doing like you really wanted to work with with cancer? Yes. So, yes. I mean, cancer uh, at that point was, you know, kind of a given application. Right. Like my because my field, it's chemistry. It was mainly about me designing using organic chemistry to design these delivered careers of the therapeutics. Um, But, you know, in my specific lab, we were working also with cells like cancer cells and things like that. So this was um, part of it. it, I said that it's ironic because, you know, I I got cancer. So um, I didn't know. But I do have some knowledge, let's say, (laughs) with the disease. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was going to take you to that next part because I want to know. Um, so we saw each other last October mm-hmm. and when did you first find out and what was, what were those first, like, what was that appointment that first time like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was not straightforward. I just one day noticed a lump on my breast mm-hmm. um, and it's like I pay attention to it. I was like, hmm, th- this is weird. Um, I think that I didn't freak out right away. And I think based on, you know, what I'm learning in this community of breast cancer patients, uh, usually it's like that. Like people notice something but do not react right away. It's like you don't see that and you think that you have cancer right away. Right. Really. Right. So I notice it and... I, you know, I, let's say that I ignored it for a couple of weeks because I had a history of having cysts on my breast since mm-hmm. I was young. Like my first mammogram was when I was 17, but they were all benign, uh, six cysts, sorry. Um, and pretty much I was getting them like every 10 years or so. So this time I was like, oh, maybe it's a cyst. Um, but there was it's some it's there's there was something very interesting. It felt it just felt different. It felt different, not physically, but within me. I said, like, I don't know, like maybe I should check this, you know, like uh, for some reason, is this intuition? It was very intuitive. Okay. I felt like it was not normal. There was okay. something wrong. Okay. And I'm saying this because men, we women we have such a strong intuition. We are so smart emotionally and intuitively and we ignore it so often. Like I do ignore my intuition a lot. So don't, don't, don't ignore it. So um, I, you know, I noticed it. I ignore it for a couple of weeks and then I said, no, there's something wrong. So I went to my primary doctor. He said, okay, so then let, let me send you to a mammogram. No, actually, a sonogram, uh, ultrasound. And I did that. And then in the ultrasound place, um, they took very long time and they came back and they say, okay, let's do a mammogram the same day. So same it was day. a really long day. So the same day I got the mammogram, they took forever to come back to me. And something that it was interesting and actually it made me very upset a year after is that when I enter uh, to the place, I actually put the note that I was going because I had a lump, like I found a lump on my breast. And after the mammogram, uh, the nurse came to me and she said, are you sure you have a lump, that you feel a lump? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of question is this? Like, that's why I'm here. Yes. And she started questioning, like, but are you sure? Like, what exactly is what you feel? And I just found that it was, to be honest, very stupid. Like, she was asking yeah. me this question. Like, why she's asking me this? And I tried to explain. And then I said, do you want to feel it? And she was, no. She said, said no. And I was like, okay, I don't know. And she said, are you sure it's a lump? She kept asking me. Now I know that I think that she wanted me to say that that's not what, what I, I had, okay? So at the end, I said, okay, maybe this is a language barrier thing. Like, yeah. by the way, everybody, you notice my accent, Spanish is my first language. So I said, like, probably that's not the word that I want to say, or maybe it's not, like, you guys are the experts. So I said, okay, maybe it's not, like, whatever. It was very late in the day. I didn't eat because I didn't expect being there, like, all day. And she made me st- uh, strike like do a strike like scratch I don't know how to say it. a strike <laughs> uh, the lump word and to sign under mm-hmm. and I did it because I was over it I almost feel like okay maybe I'm just being hypochondriac maybe I'm being stupid like and I'm saying this and with these details because again listen to your intuition Mm-hmm. I'm also I, I don't even know how I did that like I'm not that stupid but I did it and sometimes we just we doubt about ourselves we doubt about our intuition and sometimes we doubt about our knowledge like I know what I felt so she made me sign and what she told me was that it was inconclusive that they don't think that there's really nothing wrong but hey inconclusive doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong 
right? right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I went home. I was like, whatever, maybe this was, this was in my head. So that was in March 2022. So we saw each other October okay. Mm-hmm. 2021 was it? I don't know October 22 yeah 22 oh okay so yeah I had my lump there so that was March 2022 and then I noticed that in the summer I start the it, it was bigger like it started growing and I have to say it was I went to my daughter not only because I felt the lump but I had pain on my breast mm-hmm. um I had these moments where I had very sharp pain and that was very weird. Um, so anyways, I noticed that the pain started going away, but the lump started growing. Okay. So I went to um, my gynecologist at that time and I said, this is happening. I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. What she did pretty much was to read the results from Marsh. And she said, you know, I will not worry about this. Like you should be fine. Something actually that I kept getting is you are young because you are under 40. I'm 38. You are under 40. You are young. You're healthy. You have a healthy lifestyle. You should be fine. And I remember telling her, are you sure that I'm fine? What you're telling me is that I should not worry about this. And what she said is, the results indicate that you should be fine. Don't worry about this. We will follow up next year or whenever or something like that. She said like after. So I left actually was by the phone and I left very discouraged and disappointed. And, and I was like, I, I know something's happening in my body and you guys are not listening. Like, why are you not sending me to do something else? Can I just for a second, like, I just, I want people to hear that, you know, this is somebody who has a specific science background, really good intuition is going out of her way to ask for help and support on two separate occasions is basically, and here's the thing. It doesn't matter if that was her intention to make you feel that way. It doesn't matter how you left was feeling that, okay, I guess this is just me making a big thing out of it. I guess this is actually not a problem. Like, I guess I'm, maybe I'm misinterpreting all, like the amount of, you know, you go from this intuition, like I've got to get this looked at to the doubt being like, okay, Danny, like just, just calm down. This is totally fine. And so now it just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back on that back burner. And it's so, it's it's so mind-blowing to me because I can unfortunately name a number of people that I know firsthand who are diagnosed under 40. I can tell you about a few who are diagnosed under 30. It's not that it's unheard of. It's not, it's not at all. So to say that it doesn't happen to healthy women under 40 is like where show me the research on that because it's not true. Yes. And I have to say, I'm sorry, but the medical system needs to change these. You do not have it, to apologize on the show, just so you know. <laughs> you do not have to. This, uh, this is incredible. Like, you are right. And I am right now in, um, I'm in two main uh, Facebook groups. Uh, one is um, Breast Cancer Under 40. Mm-hmm. That group is full of people. Mm-hmm. Women in their 20s getting breast cancer. Okay. So we are talking now in their 20s, in their, in their, in their 30s. I actually saw a post from one that she's 22 and she got breast cancer and the doctors didn't know how to handle her case because it was the youngest case that they have gotten so far. So I don't know what is in the water. Um, but yeah, I think that this needs to change. Like we need to get monitor earlier. Um, and thank you for inviting me to your platform because I hope that somebody that have authority on these can do something about this. Um, and, and as you say, we are left sometimes like, uh, let me say, Hey, Doctors are great, okay? <laughs> like this is, and not everybody is the same. Some listens more than the others and they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, what I notice is that it's very dependent on these scans. And sometimes like, depending on the doctor that you have, they 
want to look further and some don't. Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is really the message here that is up to you to push. It's up to you to be responsible about your body. It's up to you to not be afraid. And I'm telling you this as somebody that actually I consider myself pretty confident and not afraid of pushing, pushing back. And even having this personality, I got to at the point where I said, okay, maybe this is all in my head. Maybe I'm okay. You know, I never thought that I was having cancer on my body. Like literally, you know, this, I had a concern, but it's interesting how the mind is. I never thought that it could have been cancer. It's, I don't know how to explain this, but it's like there was a part of me protecting me from thinking that it could have cancer, but I knew that something was wrong. So fast forward and just to kind of close this loop, um, I continue with my concern. Let's remember, you know this, Marsha, not, uh, but for the listeners that I was actually also doing IVF treatment, IVF for fertility. Uh, so I was also struggling with fertility. My husband and I uh, were in this process for two years and I did IVF for a year and a half. So I had an additional reason to make sure that everything was okay with me. Um, so fast forward, I remember telling again my concern to my primary doctor, but like really nothing happened. And then in December 2022, my fertility doctor decides to do a full physical uh, because I was going to my next cycle in January. And he said, let's make everything, it's, uh, it's fine. Make sure that everything is fine. And in the physical, he noticed the lump and he said are you concerned about this and I said yes like I remember saying like yes I have been concerned for like almost a year like I don't know nobody is really listening to me uh, and he said okay if you are concerned I am concerned mm -hmm. and that was the first time that I felt <laughs> You know, like, heard, okay, heard. I like validating. Yeah. And, and, you know, my primary doctor hurt me at the beginning, but really, like, then the follow up was kind of dead. Um, and yeah, he, he said, I, I want you to go to a breast uh, oncologist, uh, a breast, uh, non oncologist, breast care surgeon. Mm -hmm. And I actually did that. And he said, let's just make sure that everything is fine. In all these, I didn't get an appointment. That was December. I didn't get an appointment until February because it was full, but this surgeon was, was very good and known. Uh, so I actually did an IVF cycle before I saw my surgeon and I got an embryo. So at this point, I had two embryos after like a lot of Again, this is another podcast <laughs> for the fertility journey. That's a different one. Um, after a lot of struggle, we got two embryos and um, we were close to the transfer in March. Okay. So in February, I go to the breast care and she noticed the lump and she said, hmm, okay, I feel it. Uh, but it it looks more like a cyst. It feels more like a cyst. So you know the difference. A cyst usually is soft and it's round shaped and um, and it's liquid inside. Um, a fibroma or a tumor, a cancer tumor, usually it's irregular when you feel it. It's irregular and it's hard. Okay. And it's, um, it's not liquid inside, it's solid. So she said, okay, it looks more like a cyst, but let's do an aspiration. An aspiration is a procedure where they put a needle, like they put an injection and they try to, uh, how do you say, like suck? Yeah, <laughs> suck the liquid, remove. yep. removes the liquid, the liquid out. Um, and if they remove the liquid, it's a cyst. So I remember her doing that and struggling a lot. So it hurt a little bit. And at the end, I see the look of the nurse and the doctor. And I knew something was not right. And she said, okay, Daniela, it's not a cyst. It may be a fibroma mm -hmm. or a tumor, but let's see, let's send it to labs. And, you know, like, don't worry. Again, very interesting that even though this was not going the right direction, I never thought that it could have been cancer. <laughs> my 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 brain was protecting me so much. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I said, okay, maybe it's a benign tumor, fibroma, like, it's okay. So she sent it. Yes, I was worried. Okay. I was worried. Um, so then results came from the lab. Um, they said, okay, um, the cells show irregularities. We need to send you for biopsy. So we need to send you for surgery as soon as possible. Um, and I was like, what do you mean? But because they never tell you it can be cancer. So they never tell you until you get a biopsy. Again, my brain never registered that it could have been cancer. So I said, okay, let's go to the surgery. Um, it was like a two weeks recovery from that surgery. And that's pretty much the time that I um, got the results. So on March 9th, 2023, so this year, um, I got my breast cancer diagnosis. So that was a tumor. And, you know, so many emotions uh, that came, uh, to say the least. Of course, it was like one of the worst days of my life. And the crying and like, it was just a very hard day. But something that I want to say is that it came with a lot of anger as well. Um, I had a lot of sadness, a lot, a lot of fear and a lot of anger because I brought this concern exactly a year before. I was going to ask you if it was almost a year or two. That it yeah, was it was month. March, yeah. 2023. And my mammogram was on March, 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, <laughs> You know, it was it, it was hard also because it, it was the month that we were going to have our embryos transfer. So finally, after a long struggle or fertility, we had our embryos ready to transfer. And I get a breast cancer diagnosis. So for those that don't know, um, when you get breast cancer, there are many types of breast cancer, okay? Um, and my cancer was invasive ductal carcinoma in situ, what is called DCIS. And it was ERPR positive, 99% positive strong. What does this mean is that it's highly hormonal. So my estrogen and my progesterone, so our feminine hormones were killing me. And that means that the breast cancer cells have these receptors of these hormones that were feeding me, feed me, feed me, <laughs> you know? And I had a very high percent, 99%. So what this means on my, um, on my ability to conceive is that for me to get pregnant, it's a huge risk, huge risk to my life. Uh, with pregnancy, these hormones rise. So you don't want that. <laughs> um, so pretty much, you know, for me, it was not an option to get pregnant. Well, there's actually an option, but it's a very risky option. Um, and my treatment, it's a hormonal treatment. So it's hormone blockers. Uh, so pretty much what it does is put me in pre-menopause perimenopause mm -hmm. and eventually it will lead to menopause so this is an early menopause and yeah so the option of conceiving in my body was gone that was a huge grief for me you know it's it's a lot of things coming with this it, there's a lot of losses um and since I was a little kid you know coming back to the beginning of the podcast Ooh, and that makes me emotional. <laughs> you know, I was losing a lot. I was, I lost my innocence. I lost a big part of of my childhood. Um, I lost, you know, I feel I lost my my parents together. Then I also lost my first husband, you know, and then I lost my fertility. And then finally, when after spending so much money. Uh, my husband and I had this, you know, this uh, hope and I lost that too. And he lost that too, you know. Uh, 
it's not only what I lost, but what they, my, my, you know, people around me and my loved ones also lose. Um, it, it was a lot. It, it was a lot. I want to say that I have gained a lot too. Okay. I don't want to forget about this because I, I have been talking a lot about the struggles. Mm-hmm. And if you, if any of you follow me on social media, if not follow me, <laughs> um, I, I, I have been very open with my struggles and be, because there's a lot that I didn't know. And I feel that I feel like this purpose of educating and to showing the reality to people of uh, what a cancer patient goes. Um, also, you know, my my cancer, it's, I almost call, I call it invisible cancer because I didn't do chemotherapy uh, because my, um, actually for my diagnosis, uh, chemotherapy was going to harm me more than help me, helping me. And I didn't do radiation therapy because I opted to do double mastectomy. So I removed my breast. Uh, right now, uh, it looks like I have breasts, but these are expanders, which are temporary implants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been, you know, uh, open on the emotional part of these because many of the cancer patients, we agree in that it's, to be honest, it's more emotional and mental than the actual physical. Um, you know, we can be walking normal outside, you know, we don't have to be only like in bed or look all the time without hair uh, to be a cancer patient. Uh, in my case, thankfully, I, you know, I, I kept my hair because I didn't have to do chemo, but I lost my breast and I lost my sensation and I lost um, my my hormones and my fertility and, you know, not my fertility, but my my uh, capability of carrying children. And there are like a lot of losses when you become a cancer patient. So I've been op- I have been open in all these, but it's really because I want to honor vulnerability. And I know that, you know, you are somebody that, that really speak a lot about this vulnerability. I want to honor vulnerability and honesty and and to be feel okay with um to validate to validate your feelings um and those things that people don't see externally at the same time it's important to to validate the feelings and all these intangible things as you also try to move on as you also try to be positive I, I, you know, wh- whoever like knows me as a coach know that I talk a lot about balance and I know balance is there are conflicting thoughts about balance. I still believe about balance from a scientific standpoint. You need to be you molecules go out of balance to find balance in energy. So we are energetic beings. So we also go out of balance. So we understand where is our balance. And it's okay if you get out of balance sometimes. And it's okay if you cry more sometimes. But also, it's important that you do it on a safe space. I have been very open and vulnerable and crying and everything in my stories. But because also I have years of training and in, indeed, like I have professional training on knowing how to let myself go with my emotions safely, even if I'm I'm alone in my house, but recover myself and come back home in a safe way as well. So I want to be very clear with this because you don't have to have professional training for that. But sometimes maybe you need somebody to hold space for you. Can be a coach and it can be a psychologist, you know? Um, So just make sure like if you do that, like you feel safe doing it, Um, you know? And I had conflicting emotions with that too because I was like, oh my God, I'm a health coach, first of all, and I got sick. <laughs> and I'm a life coach and I'm here in my stories like crying my eyes out. Uh, but at the same time, I said, you know what? But this is what is all this about. Like I'm going through my process too. Oh, I you, I think anybody who and I did not want to interrupt you anywhere there because you had so much that you were giving, and I'm so grateful that you shared. 
in the way that you did, because it really is a lot of compounding loss. But I just wanted people to be able to see, and thank you for sharing so much the way that you did, to be able to have, to walk through both situations last March, knowing that you would not have the embryo transfer and you had cancer. Like that's, that's significant. That's a lot at once. Um, the other thing is that I think you have done an incredible job of sharing vulnerably. Like, I think one of the very first things I saw you share, I'm like, okay, Danny, like I am just cheering you on so big right now because that is allowing yourself to be seen in that way is just allowing yourself to also be open to receive support, right? Like, I think that's another piece of it is, is that you did receive a lot of support from people. The other thing I want to say though, is, is that a lot of people talk about the cancer journey and they explain, you know, the treatments and what it was like, et cetera. And, and I, I still think that's incredibly important, but you're really touching on the emotional, the loss, the feelings, the, you know, what you walk through. And I think that is, is equally important and not talked about enough, like nearly enough. So I knew as I was watching, I'm like, okay, that's it, Danny. Can we just schedule the time to record? Cause I knew you would have so much value to give to people. Thank you. No, thank you so much. And I also want to mention, you know, like we all have different ways of processing things, right? Like I was not like this open all my life. I, I actually was pretty reserved. Um, and there are, you know, I, I have friends that have decided not to share yet with people, only maybe their immediate family. And that's totally okay. Exactly. I have to say, this disease takes a lot from you, takes a lot of energy. Um, and even when people come to you with very nice messages, it can get overwhelming um, it, because we have a lot in our plate. So if somebody shows us not to share or isolate themselves, give them that space because they need it. And that doesn't mean that then that doesn't mean that they are not going after to be out there and inspire people or help people, but they need this time for themselves, you know, the same way, like what we decide to, to speak or to project uh, our journey. Um, you know, a part of me was, I guess maybe the ego part of me or the coach part of me was like, is it all right that I go there and show this vulnerability and talk about the struggles and what and and show myself crying and showing this the bad part of cancer? Is it all right? Because I know that people may prefer the inspiring one. Will like the Daniela that show that, hey, I'm going through this, but I'm okay, you know? Um, I'm positive, I'm happy, like I'm gonna be all right. And I want to show that part of me too. And I have shown it too. Yeah, you have. But I want to be very honest with myself at this stage of my journey. Like it's very recent still, right? Like maybe next year I will be the super positive one. But this time, like I have, I want to be very honest with my community and with my family and my friends that I do, I'm struggling. <laughs> like even when I look fine, I struggle and that this is not being easy and that there's a reality that unless somebody talk about it, not many people knows it. And I think that if I dare to talk about it, maybe you will be able to understand a friend of yours, a family member of yours, somebody that is going through this and maybe it's not speaking to you. Maybe you will understand that that person is going through something. It's not ready yet to talk about it, but you can feel okay and have the empathy to sit down beside that person, just rub their back and say, I'm here for you. And everything is all right. And I know that you don't know that it, if, that things are going to be all right, but I will hold that hope for you. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing what you did. 
Because I think as humans, we like to fix things. And sometimes it can make us uncomfortable when people share their stories, especially like real struggle stories. And it is not always knowing what to say to, you know, thinking you have to fix it. And there's so much power in just sitting with people and listening. We had one of our, one of our long-term friends came over yesterday and she listens to this and, but she came over yesterday, 53 years old. And she was diagnosed with like stage three colon cancer last year and almost took her life multiple times. And we just sat there at the counter and we just chatted and we just had this moment of like, even I got emotional and she got emotional. It's like never in a million years would I have ever thought she would be never like it just never. And neither did she. And so it was a very like a a moment. And when it was done, she was like, thanks for just sitting. And it's like, you know, sometimes we don't, we want, think we have to do the big things for people, but sometimes giving people space. And as she said, she's like, thank you for not treating me differently. Like that was such a, and it was just a, a moment. So I just wanted to share this because I think we think we have to do something so big that we make it almost that we can't do it as a friend. So it's easier to just give them space and leave them alone. Meanwhile, they're feeling even more and more isolated. Yes. And that's, that's not helpful either. So I love how you're sharing this part. Oh, no. Thank you for sharing that too. And thank you for being for her because that that's exactly it. That's one of the, you know, learnings about these. You you also see it's not only your struggle. You see the struggle of the people that love you, your friends and your family. Yeah. Um, and these people, you know, want the best for you. They they are afraid for you. They don't want to lose you, you know. Um, this makes me really emotional because right. I have been so blessed with with the people I have around me, you know, my friends, uh, my mentors, my, my husband that have been my rock and my parents, my mom, my mom left her country job, everything just to come and take care of me. Um, I had a very rough recovery from the surgery and, you know, this is people that are worried about you at the same time. Cancer doesn't come with a manual. Like they don't know how to cope with it. I don't know how to cope with it. You know, like we are all relearning Mm -hmm. and their way is to try to fix it. Like that was my way at the beginning. Like I was not able to process my emotions for a couple of months because I was in, okay, what do I need to do? Like in proactive mode, learning, uh, making decisions, like what do I do? Recovering, trying to move forward, like all these. And they are trying, they want to see you uh, well. So, you know, the people that it hasn't gone through cancer and have gone through uh, being close to you, but haven't been cancer, sometimes they, you know, try they go to this place of trying to to fix things or make you feel well but some i have to say that even though it's a good intention sometimes it can harm the person because we are still trying to figure out like there are so many things that we feel misunderstood and you know the same way i will not understand somebody that have gone through chemotherapy treatment and the same way there are for example triple uh, negative uh, diagnosis, which it's opposite to my diagnosis. Mine is hormonal. There's the only treatment that doesn't work is the hormonal. Uh, they may not understand what I go through with my hormonal symptoms and treatment, right? So we are like all trying really to figure this shit out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and my husband and I, you know, my husband is a fixer and a doer and, you know, very positive. I'm very optimistic. And sometimes I needed him just to be negative with me. <laughs> I just needed him to, to cry with me or something. Like, no, I cannot take your optimism and positivism. Like, I want you to say that you are okay with me thinking that I'm going to die tomorrow. You know, like I had those days. Yeah. But at the same time, I needed some of that, right? But he also needed to understand that I needed to go slower. And we, it has been an impact, a hit on our marriage. Um, But at the same time, it has made us stronger because now we are learning kind of this dynamic. How, you know, he has these moments where he just hugged me. 
you know, he knows that I'm just having like a rough patch and he just is there and rob me and sometimes give me some, you know, some words that are going to make me feel better. But compared to the beginning, uh, w- when I got the news that I was cancer free and I do like quotes because we are cancer free when they remove the tumor, but that doesn't mean that the cancer cells are not around in, a bo- in our body. That's why we need to continue with treatment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't react like it was expected. I didn't really get happy. I didn't was like celebrating. I had an emotional delay actually. And what I did was to cry all day. And I was like, what is happening? What I'm crying. And he got upset. <laughs> he was like, Danny, please, this is a good news. Like, like, hello. Um, but there was so much to understand from how I was feeling, but I also needed to understand that he needed, he needed me to, for a moment, be okay and be happy, you know? So it's a lot of relearning. Um, I think that what have been the most helpful for me is to people to hold space to not judge to be there but also you know like I also um care about your opinion and what you have to say and sometimes like if I'm in the black hole I need you to lift me up right um so I think if you are going through these because I know we need to close soon like if you are going through these and you are just starting this experience you it's gonna get better um and just do what you need to do follow your your doctor's recommendations also follow your intuitions ask as many questions you want like i don't care just ask questions like right now i have a full list of questions that i have for my oncologist um for my next follow-up and just ask for what you feel you need scans or whatever it's your health okay um, and also ask the people around you what you need. You need to you need to to talk. They don't know. They don't know what is in your brain. Talk and tell them I need this. I don't need this. Just give me some time. It will come. I will feel better. I will feel more positive. But I need this space right now. So yeah, there's so much that we can say about this. No, you've, you've shared so much and so beautifully. I really, really, I mean, appreciate it. I, I want to ask you, where are you now? Like what's next for you? Um, so right now I am doing my hormone blockers treatment. We are talking about, right? Like this part, <laughs> uh, hormone blockers. So I have been three months in my hormone blockers. Um, a lot of changes in my body and in my mood <laughs> also. Um, so I have to do this for 10 years. Um, usually it's five years, but because my cancer is highly hormonal, I need to do it for 10 years. Um, regarding conceiving a baby, um, my doctor gave me the, the option to be in the treatment for two years, no, non-optional, like I cannot get pregnant. By the way, with the medication I am, it's called tamoxifen. If I get pregnant, it's detrimental for the baby. So it's, it's bad for the baby. Um, so she said two years and then you, if you want, we can do a hormone blockers break and you can get pregnant, we monitor you, and then, you know, we put you again back to the treatment. Um, However, the risk is really high. Um, And I will also be 41, 41, yeah, in two years. So, you know, I'm entering to a mature age, and with this risk, like, at the end, it's, it's not worth it. Let me tell you that it took me a lot of work too to get to this point where I talk about this without crying, where I, um, I, you know, I can't think clearly. I remember at the beginning, I was like, I'm going to have this baby. I don't care if I die. Like, I want, you know, like I was so irrational. (laughs) But at the moment, it's like, Daniela, you cannot die because you need to raise your kid, right? But I, I couldn't let go the fact that I couldn't carry the baby in my body. Yeah. Um, especially after such a struggle trying to get pregnant. Yes. Um, so now um what we met my husband and I agreed in that we are not doing that. So I will not conceive in my body. Um, however, we are going to do surrogacy. 
So we decided to go through that route. I have to tell you, you know, like these, all these adversities and experiences in our life, I think that we can all agree that sometimes change the perspective that we have, you know, of life and even our values. You know, I was raised Catholic and hey, fertility treatments and surrogacy, that's a no-no. Um, and I had to change a lot of the way I was thinking and be open mind and receive and let go. And, you know, and I, these are the things that I'm grateful for, for these experiences, because I think that have opened and broadened my vision and, and my understanding and my empathy. Um, and I, I'm, I'm okay if all this needed to happen for me to have this openness and this open perspective. And I actually, there's a part of me that I'm grateful that this happened to me because I'm so equipped with so many tools to handle it. So to finish and close your, your question, yes, we are going to offer uh, surrogacy. We are in the matching process, matching. So they match you with a surrogate. Literally, it's like a dating app <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, right? you, have to, you have to present a profile. They present your, their profile. You meet and you see if the first date is good. If not, you swipe and go to the next. It's kind of like very interesting. Um, but I, I'm saying this jokingly, but with a lot of respect. These are people, we are people too. And they are, to me, they are angels that come to help you and to save you. Like these women, I'm sorry, but I have such a regard for, for these women. And I don't even know my surrogate yet. <laughs> um, and I think that at the same time, intended parents, which are us, right? Like the ones that cannot have the, the children, bury the children. Um, I think that, you know, we are brave also for doing this. Like it's, it's not easy for somebody else to, you know, know somebody else is going to carry your baby and you don't have control of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot, um, very interesting experiences <laughs> in my life. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I thought that's the direction and I thought that's where things were moving for you. And mm -hmm. I just think I, I'm so grateful that you were here today to share like so much of the story, the emotions, the, like how you navigate it and what it looks like. You've given a very different insight to cancer that and end IVF, like end fertility, then I've had, I think that I've really had somebody come in and share. And so I'm so grateful because you've really humanized a part of this and for others to be able to see what some of that struggle is like and what the emotions and what you're experiencing. So, you know, I am so grateful that you shared in the way that you did. And I know that there might be people who are listening to this, watching this, who want to connect and learn more about you. So where is the best place that you tend to share what you're doing? Yes. So usually it's my Instagram. So you can go to my Instagram. It, probably you will have it in the notes, but yeah. I would say at dr.dr.dani. G1. Um, I also have my, my website, uh, drdanyg.com, but usually I share more about my story. I'm actually doing a series of posts uh, sharing my cancer journey. I've been a little slow because I came back to work. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to balance, but I keep sharing at least on my story. So you can find me there. If you have any questions, please DM me. Uh, I will be there for you. And if you have a family member, uh, going through these or is yourself, please reach out to me. And I will be also doing some um, programs for breast cancer patients. Um, I not only focus on cancer patients, okay, so everybody, but I will also do something specific for, for them. Beautiful, beautiful. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. I have loved this conversation. I have one question for you, and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, that's a big question, Marsha. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to everybody say that. Like, um, lesson life. I will say, I, it, it comes down to me on learning how to balance uh, vulnerability with moving forward. Um, you know, it's okay to feel sad or angry sometimes because 
you can convert that into power. So uh, accept it's okay you feel like it, like like that, but also balance it out with being positive, with moving forward to understand also the power that you have to get out of that black hole. Um, I don't know the reasons why we get these things in life. Um, one of my main questions was like, if I'm healthy, right? Like I work in my health, like why did I get sick? And uh, they, they are actually now reasons like that I learned about it, but it's, it's, we don't understand sometimes why things come to our life. You just receive it, do your best, validate your feelings and do your best also to move forward. And if you find difficulty doing it by yourself, then get support because there's plenty. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Danny, for being here and for sharing. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank I, you. My pleasure. Honestly, just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for you too. And thank you for, you know, allowing me to be in your platform here. Thank you so much, Marcia. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life. Mm -hmm.